Turn, if you would, to the first chapter here of the book of Philippians as we now begin our journey, uh, chapter and verse, as we march along with Paul in this incredible joy that he has even writing from prison. As we begin now with verses 1 through 6, uh, we have something, a word that's used here. It's a word that's thrown around in Christian circles, and you'll notice it there in verse 5 for your fellowship. That word fellowship, the Greek word koinonia, it means actually one very specific thing, and it simply means to have something in common. Uh, it's not just that we hang out. It's not that we indulge in the drinking of Christian crack. You know, we go to a coffee shop. That not, is not necessarily fellowship. Fellowship is very specific, and it's specific to the body of Christ, and we want that fellowship to be joy. And so the Apostle Paul begins here, verse 1, writing uh, Timothy with him, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were in Philippi. He's writing from Rome back to this church that he helped found, this church that he began with the bishops, with the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, grace and peace comes from a relationship with God the Father and from his Son Jesus Christ. You can't have God's grace, you can't have God's peace without having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's an impossibility. You have to know Jesus Christ to have that relationship becomes very, very understandable when you look at it as it's written. And I thank my God upon every remembering of you. Now remember that Paul is in prison. And as he remembers the church in Philippi, the church in Philippi had joined together in a very practical way to provide for Paul's needs while he's under house arrest in Rome. He is a Roman citizen, and so he's been given a little bit of liberty, but he's still in prison. And so the church in Philippi has joined together to help support Paul in prison. If you didn't have someone that came alongside of you while you were in prison, generally you were not long for this world. The church in Philippi, hundreds of miles away across the Aegean Sea, has said, look, we're going to support Paul in ministry. We're going to come alongside of him. We're going to fellowship in that way with him. Can I remind you that you this morning are in fellowship with a church that's being built right now paid for by your giving in Shabashnagar, India. You're in, you're in fellowship with them. You're, you're in fellowship with our brothers and sisters up in Ventura. You're in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Venice Beach. You're in fellowship with our friends that are in Greece tonight. You're in fellowship with our friends that are in Norway tonight. You're in fellowship with those hundreds of churches in India that are watching this broadcast right now. You're in fellowship with them. You are fellowshipping with the body of Christ. Amen? That's how fellowship works. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always and in every prayer, making of mine a request for you with all joy. The reason for that joy comes next. The reason for the joy of fellowship becomes very obvious. Notice what follows. For your fellowship, notice what it's in, in the gospel from the very first day until now. And being confident of this very thing that he, who began a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, again, we have come, Lord, not to hear me talk, to hear you speak to your people by the power of your word. 
And so, Lord, we ask that you would do that, that you'd reveal your truth to us, that you'd unveil, Lord, what you intended to say as these words were authored by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Help us to glean, help us to grow, help us to know what it is that you want from us as your children. We bless you, we praise you, we honor you, and we give you this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so notice here that, that this fellowship is very specific. It's, it's not the type of fellowship. You see, we can talk about, well, let's go fellowship on the golf course. Well, you might be able to fellowship on the golf course, unless you play golf like I do, that it will not be very fellowshipy. It, it, it usually ends up into a contest. You, you can fellowship at Nordstrom's Rack, but that's not quite what's being said here. You know, you can go for a ladies' day out and you go and you have some fellowship. Yes, you can fellowship, but there's a central thought that is very clear here. The reason for our fellowship is given as the gospel. That is the good news. That's to Jesus Christ, God's only Son, came to this earth. He died on Calvary's cross. He was buried. He rose from the grave three days later. And he lives forevermore. That's the basis of our fellowship. Amen? It's not a specific congregation of people. It's not that we're all of Americans. Our fellowship isn't based on we live in the same general geographic region. Our fellowship is because we have received the good news of the gospel. We are now Christians, and now we have something in common with one another, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter where you live, no matter how rich or poor you are. It does not, all those things are insignificant. What matters is your fellowship is now because you are a believer. I am a believer. We are believers in the good news of the gospel. Amen? That's very unique. And it gives you a very special relationship with people who are also believers. But try and share that same thing with someone who does not know the Lord. They look at you very strange. You're going to church again? I mean, it, you, uh, Thanksgiving was last week. Christmas is, go Christmas and Easter. That's enough. You tell them you're coming back, they, they look at you like, what? Yeah, just love the Lord, love his word, love to fellowship with the brothers and sisters. You see, the world doesn't understand that because they don't know our king. If they know the king, if they have believed in the only name that can save Jesus Christ, and he is their Lord, then we have a unique relationship with each other. And all of a sudden, no matter where you are, you start talking about Jesus. Like, yeah, the Lord did that in my life too. All of a sudden, there's a commonality that you have that the world does not understand. Talk to somebody in the workplace about spiritual warfare that doesn't know the Lord. They'll look at you like, what? They're going to be seeing if you need to be checked in someplace. Because they have not a clue about your relationship with your Savior. And thereby you can't have the same relationship with someone who does not know the Lord. It's not possible. They won't know what you're about and you really have forgotten, hopefully, what they're about. Amen? Amen? We're supposed to be hazed up, washed up sinners. Amen? We're not supposed to be good at it anymore. Notice how this progresses. You see, basically, it's a Jesus thing. It's because of who we are in Christ. 
You, you see, true fellowship can be had with true Christians. And as Paul unveils this plan here in, in the book of Philippians, you're going to find out that there's fellowships of the saints, there, there's fellowship in the spirit, and there's also fellowship of sufferings. Invite some non-Christian friends over. Hey, we're having a suffering fest at my house tonight. Would you like to come? And they're going to say, no, nah, I don't think so. And yet you are right now fellowshipping with people all over the world who are suffering. If you've been praying for people who are affected by the war in Syria, you're fellowshipping with them. As you're helping support those missions endeavors that are taking care of their food, their medical needs, their clothing, their homes, you're doing those, you're fellowshipping with people in other parts of the world who are fellowshipping right now, you're fellowshipping in their suffering. What they're going through, you're actually a part of that. There are people all over the world, believe it or not, one of the common things that you'll find in in countries around the world that are not as blessed as we are, they pray for us because sometimes they think we are too blessed and we forget what's really important in life. Can I say I agree with that to some degree? That sometimes we do forget what's really important in life. And so they're fellowshipping with us because they see us as missing the boat sometimes. So we're fellowshipping together in that way. You see, ultimately it comes about that we're to live these things out. You cannot divest yourself from living that which you believe. Amen? You need to actually put it to practice. And as you do that, that's much deeper than if you just tell somebody about what it is that's going on in your life. And we do that. We begin to live our lives mutually in a way that takes this saving grace And it shows the world what it looks like to live in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's a very different thing than just getting together and having a cup of coffee. It's us literally being of the same heart and of the same mind. You know, it's wonderful. If if you're going to get together with friends and watch It's a Wonderful Life and drink hot cocoa, God bless you. It's okay. It's a great movie. But fellowship is something different than getting together and having some hot cocoa and watching a movie. It's being of the same mind that is also found in Christ Jesus. Amen? It's living that life out. All of a sudden, now you've got something very different going on. And very wonderful. Your grace-filled life begins to spill over. And here's what it is. It's this good work. Notice that he who began, verse 6 says, he who began this good work in you is faithful to complete it unto the day of Christ. He says, what good work is he talking about? What is the Apostle Paul actually saying? What is the Holy Spirit communicating when it says, he who began this good work in you is faithful to complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus? You see, it's the work of salvation. Because there was a point in time when you didn't believe, amen? And then all of a sudden the light went on, that gospel message, the fellowship of the gospel came to you, that word of God was preached to you, you believed the gospel message, you said yes to Jesus Christ, and that work began. Praise God, you're not still there, amen? Amen, you began at a point in time. 
You became a child of God, and all of a sudden you begin this lifelong journey of walking with the Lord. And so it looks this way when you actually diagram it. You see, we have all these things going on, but there are three principal ones that you can look at, and you can see them very clearly. It began in you, so there was a work that was done for you. Here's how I know that. 2,000 years ago, you guys weren't born, amen? So you did not dial up heaven 2,000 years ago in absentia and go, hey, I need a Savior. God did that for you. He sent Jesus, his only begotten Son, into this world that the world through him would be saved. Amen? So he did a work for you by sending Jesus into the world so that you could believe and receive and thereby become a Christian and start this good work journey. That good work journey now takes on a next phase because God also has to work in you. He worked for you. He made up the plan. Jesus Christ carried it out on Calvary's cross. You've believed it and received it, so the work is done for you in that regard. Not one of you deserves to be saved, amen? I don't. Maybe if you do, we can talk after service, but none of us deserve to be saved. It's grace that saved us. That's been given to you by faith. That's a gift. Amen? So the work's done for you in that sense. But there's also a work called sanctification that's being done in you. That's you becoming a little more like Jesus. You you see, you used to be nothing like Jesus. Amen? And then you got saved. And because you got saved, there's a work that's done in you. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. And that work in you now begins to change you. All of a sudden, you're no longer who you used to be. Now, you're not all the way where you need to be. That's why it's called a process. It began that good work in you, and one day it's going to get finished when you go home to be with Jesus. Amen? In the meantime, you're on a journey called sanctification. That sanctification, simple word to understand, it means to become more saintly or saint-like. So you're going from what you used to be to what you will be, and you're not all the way over here, and you're not all the way over there. You're along this journey. That work is being done in you. Praise God. Amen? Because I know how I used to be, and I'm glad I'm not there still. That wasn't good. But I also know what I should be because I read his word and I'm not all the way over there yet. But I'm somewhere along the path and along that path I'm supposed to be going, yes, Lord, do more. Not I'm okay where I'm at, thanks. A lot of Christians, it's I'm okay where I'm at, thanks. And so they get stuck in this process of sanctification. God wants to continue. Notice what verse 6 says. He who began the good work in you, he is faithful to complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. God's never going to abandon you as a project. Hallelujah. Amen? Because I need him to work on me, okay? And the third thing, look at this. You see, God then wants to take this work that he's doing first to you or for you, and then in you, and then through you. He actually wants to take you and make you a part of the process of other people seeing him. He wants to work through you. We just keep getting better and better and better and better. How many of you like to do those home improvement projects? Raise your hands, okay? Not too many of you. You guys are, I don't even know what to say to that. 
But you know, when you go to Home Depot and you see people in line, they're almost always doing something at their own house, right? Now, I don't know how many of you actually start projects and don't finish them, but I think it's a lot, judging from what I've seen in Home Depot. Because people keep coming back and they get stuff and it's like, didn't I see you yesterday getting this? Yeah, I'm not done yet. God never starts projects he doesn't finish. You know that one spot in your garage that's been missing paint for 15 years? You were going to get there, but it's just like, you know, it's not quite important enough. God began the work in you. He is faithful to complete it. He gets his projects done. Praise the Lord. And oh, by the way, he will do it perfectly in you. It's on him. He does that work to us. Then he does that work through us. And so our confidence is no longer in us. Our confidence is in him. And so it's total confidence. You you see, if you're relying on you to get the work of sanctification done, give up now. Amen? It's not going to happen. You are not going to be able to sanctify yourself. You're going to be able to say yes to what God is doing in your life, and you'll get more Christ-like. But if you're looking for your own plan to kind of get there, not happening. He is faithful to complete that work in you. You're simply being obedient to what he's telling you to do. In other words, he makes the plans, and you follow yes and amen. You see, it's kind of like going, now you can YouTube anything, right? You want to change out your water heater, you just YouTube hot water exchange, you go, you, you get it. And you can follow the step-by-step instructions. That'd be really nice if we had one for sanctification. Just Google God, get me to heaven. And if you saw all the steps, you'd never start. It would be completely overwhelming. Because you'd look at your life and where you are right now, you'd look at where you need to be and you go, I'm not going. It, it's not happening. And so it is he who began the good work in you that's faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So he gives you the steps along the way. And I love this. You see, that way, it's, our confidence is in him. He is faithful when we are faithless. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? Because you wake up in the morning, sometimes you don't have as much faith as you'd like to have. Sometimes you wake up in the morning, you don't feel like being saintly. Amen? We, we've got this, there, there's like two houses over, we have this yapper dog. And that dog has the very distinct ability, right when I'm almost asleep, to begin this wonderful barking at something. I don't know what it is. And, and sometimes about 15 minutes into it, I'm not thinking St. Jeff stuff. I'm thinking, Lord, I'm going to take dominion over that dog. No, we, we do. We think things, don't we? Anybody else in here think things you probably shouldn't think? Just saying. Praise God that it's his work. And then you go, well, that, you know, that lady probably really loves that dog. I go, okay, Lord, all right. I'll be kind and gentle and peaceable. So you have to tell me that now? You see, that's how it works. The Holy Spirit speaking to you transforms and renews your mind. And you start moving a little along the journey. And then pretty soon it's like, well, you know, that's probably just somebody who really loves little dogs. It's okay. They like chihuahuas. It's, it's all right. They can still go to heaven. <laughs> if you have chihuahuas, forgive me. 
But, but you see, we can get hung up on stuff like that, can't we as Christians? You start judging, you know, it's like, well, that person, okay, well, they're all right, but they're not. You're on the journey with them. And when you start looking at the road like you're on the journey with the people instead of you're already ahead of them, well, maybe they'll catch up. All of a sudden, you realize you need the Lord to complete in you that good work that he began. And all of a sudden, it isn't everybody else. It's, Lord, work in my life, in my heart. You do something in me today, God, because I need to be completed. I need it. Everybody else, I'm sure, needs it, but I need, Lord, you need to complete in me the work that you started. Because I'm going to mess it up. You see, Paul has that kind of confidence. And as you ponder these things, there's, there's all kinds of things you could glean from this passage. But being confident, what is that confident? It's not confidence in people. It's not confidence in places. It's not confidence in things. It's not confidence in groups of friends or in books. It's not confidence in any of those things. It's confidence in God. Are you confident in God, family? Because you need to be confident in Him. You know, sometimes people come for counsel and are delighted to give it. All the pastoral staff, we, we love to give godly counsel. Great, we want to take out the Bible and share it. But at the end of the day, your confidence needs to be in God, not in the counsel that was given you. Your strength needs to be in Him, not because somebody gave you some recipe for strength. You trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, you acknowledge Him, and He guides and directs your path. Amen? That's the way it works. You see, sometimes we start looking at other things for our confidence. Can I tell you one that's a real bummer? Because I like it. It's church. Sometimes people start getting confident just in going to church. Well, I'll just go three times a week and I'll be more holy. You know, I'll go five times. Your confidence is in what God's begun in you. Completing it to the day of Christ Jesus. That's your confidence. Your confidence is not just simply coming. This is a good part of coming and hearing the word, but you still have to be confident in him. That this work will begin in you and it'll work in you and it will complete in you because he started it, he's going to finish it. He's faithful. It's a work of grace, brothers and sisters. Paul, as you would write to Timothy, I know in whom I have believed and am able. He is able. He is able to keep that which he's committed under the day of Christ Jesus. It's all on him. Do you have that kind of confidence? Do you have that joy and fellowship because you've been created anew? All of us can think back to what we used to be like without Jesus. Amen? We need to not have selective memory when we do that. You need to really remember what you used to be like without Jesus. And you can see, you may not be as far along as you'd like to be, but you certainly are not where you used to be. Amen? Amen. And thank God, there's been some improvement someplace along the line to where God's at work in you. Don't give up before God does, because he's not going to give up, period. You see, our joy comes when we recognize that the Lord's at work in us. If we have that right relationship, we'll have the right relationships with other people around us as well. All of a sudden, things take their proper place. Therefore, that salvation, that fellowship that you have in it is, is on God. It's completed by Him. It's not because, you know, you went out and 
really carried out the plan. God's continuing to do that work. And so as you see that work going on, you get encouraged by the little things that are already happening in your life. Think back how you used to be and then remember that you're not there. I'm not what I was, but I am not where I need to go, so I just want God to keep working until I get done. We're all in that sense kind of being baked like a cake, you know? It's like we're, we're kind of rising a little bit, a little bit fluffier than we used to be. We're not down there in the bottom of the pan anymore. We're getting up there a little bit. But we haven't been iced yet, amen? We'll get that when we get to heaven. And finally, when you think on these things, we've actually been saved for a purpose, and that is joyous. That's that wonderful fellowship that we have in the Lord. That's where our confidence is. And I would encourage you, when you get home, read Romans chapter 8. And for sake of time, I I won't read it all to you this morning. But it begins with, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm glad because that's where our fellowship begins. Amen? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's that beginning. That's that good work. And so you're going you're gonna to have the enemy come along and try and condemn you and beat you up. Feed you some kind of, well, you're not, <laughs> you should be way further along. That's just a lie. What can separate you, it goes on to say, from the love of God? Read it. Famine, peril, sore, distress, principalities, angels, what? Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So when you think about where you are, you should be looking at, be confident. God's at work in you. Don't surrender, because the enemy's going to try and get you to quit. The enemy can't stop you from that process of sanctification. He can only discourage you so that you stop the process yourself. Scripture says he can't do it. He is unable to stop it. Because God is faithful, but you can quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Be confident in what God is doing. You've been saved for this purpose. It's God that justifies us. It's God who works that work in us. And God's not going to abandon you. He's not going to be like the do-it-yourselfer that leaves the project undone. You're going to get finished one day. That's why Jesus went to build a mansion, amen? That where he is, you might be also. That's called complete, folks. It's called going home to where you belong. This world is not your home. We are passing through. Treasure's up there. It's not down here. We need to see our lives that way. You see, sometimes we give the enemy ammunition to to beat us up with. Because that growth is slow at times, isn't it? I think if we're honest, we can all see areas in our own lives where the growth is a little bit slower than we'd like it to be. Don't give up. Be confident. Be confident of this very thing. That he who began the good work in you, the one who presented you with the good news of the gospel, to which you responded, you said yes to Jesus Christ, the one who began that good work in you, who brought you along the way to the place that you are now. He is faithful to get you all the way home to heaven. Amen? For those of you that are a little older than some of the rest, you remember the TV program, Father Knows Best? He does. Absolute truth. 
Father does know best. And he knows when you started. He knows where you are now. And he knows what to do to get you where you need to go. And he's faithful to do it. So don't give up on yourself because God's not. Make sure that you're giving God the help by being obedient to what he tells you to do. You want to help him, not hinder his work. Amen? Sometimes we hinder the work of the Lord. And so the Lord would say to us this morning, He who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for this amazing truth. Lord, it's not us, it's you that completes this work. And Lord, we simply want to make ourselves available. And God, we don't want to hinder that work. And so, Lord, help us to be obedient and to walk in blessing with you. We're so grateful for that fellowship that we have with you and consequently we can have with others. And so increase, Lord, that wondrous fellowship. Pray for those this morning. Maybe there's someone who's come in and they really don't know this Jesus that we love. Pray that that good news, that gospel message, that would be alive in their heart even right now, Lord, before they leave this building, that they would confess that they're sinners. They need a Savior. Ask for your forgiveness, Lord Jesus. Your cleansing. Set them on that path. We have prayer warriors waiting to pray that prayer with them. Pray that they wouldn't leave without doing it. And God, we ask that you would just bless us as your people. Give us sweet, sweet fellowship. Would that fellowship be filled with joy? And Lord, would you do these things, God, so that we can be further along the way so that we can experience that one day when you call us home that we'll be like Jesus. We love you, we praise you, we bless you, and God's people all said, Amen. Amen. Amen.